With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'd like to welcome Eric Decker back to Behind the Pros. You might remember Eric. We talked to him last year when before he relocated from Indianapolis and moved down to Florida. Um, one of the things that he's doing in Florida, he has been the spring writer in residence at the Jack Kerouac House. And so um, we're happy to have Eric back with us. He's a humor writer. He has a, been a newspaper humor columnist for over 20 years, um, radio and stage plays, co-authored books on social media and marketing. Um, so make sure you check out his first Behind the Pros interview where he really goes in-depth about those things. Uh, but today we're going to follow up with him on his experience as a writer-in-residence at the Kirak Project. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you. It's great to be back. So how's Orlando treating you overall? It's It's been great. We uh, we became uh, Disney annual pass holders and, you know, bought into the whole Disney thing, and we've been many times. Uh I didn't miss snow and ice this winter, uh, so except I've been told it's going to be unbearably hot in about another four to six weeks, so wow. <laughs> not, not looking forward to that part. Um, so how how long was your residency at the Kirak Project? I know it's still going on now. It's almost over, right? How, how long? It's a total of three months, so I showed up here on March 1st. And uh, I ideally would leave a couple of days before the end of May so they have a chance to clean up and get a, a, a cleaner and to uh, clean up after the last resident. They always do that. Uh, but I'm actually leaving about a week early, heading back to Indianapolis, where I will be blogging at the Indianapolis 500 up in the media center that Memorial Day weekend. So they get a whole seven days to clean up. Wow. So, so tell us about the tell us about the house. Um, what's it like there? Do you get a, a writerly uh, kind of vibe being in the house where Jack Kerouac stayed? Um, well, so the house itself is a small 800 square foot. Uh, it's actually a Sears and Roebuck kit house. Uh, you know, back 100 years ago, Sears and Roebuck used to sell houses in pieces that they would ship to you. They would ship you every single piece you needed to build a house. And so this was built in College Park, which is a neighborhood uh, sort of on the north northwest side of Orlando, uh, near downtown. And uh, I think as I had told you before, this is where Jack lived with his mom in 1957 and 58 while he was writing Dharma Bombs and waiting for On the Road to be published. And so I think knowing that, really is where I get that writer's vibe and also knowing that I'm I'm actually the 60th resident over the last 15 years to be in this house I think that gives it as much of a vibe as well you know it makes me feel like I'm someplace important and and mm-hmm. that if I'm 
in an important place where I've been selected to work, I need to really focus on doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And so what's your schedule like as far as the house? I remember on your last show you said that um, you might not sleep there because obviously you have a family that will be living in Orlando. Uh, did you treat it short of just as a workplace, or how did you work that out? No, actually what I do is I uh, I show up here on Sunday nights because the rest of my family watches Walking Dead, and I don't. And so I always escape. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like scary shows. And, uh, and so I show up here on a Sunday night and work and go home on a Thursday, uh, Thursday evening, and then spend the rest of the weekend at home. But, uh, you know, I see my family throughout the week. In fact, my son uh, is spending the next couple of nights here with me. Um, as far as my actual schedule goes, I, I still have my day job, which is uh, content marketing. And since I can do that from anywhere and can do it any time, uh, I've really put that to the test. And so I go to bed at 2 and 3 in the morning most times and then get up at about uh, 9 or 10 during the day and just work and have these odd, unusual work hours. And so the last three hours of a night might be spent working on my book, but then the rest of the time is either occasionally going to meetings, but mostly just working for clients. Hmm. So you have been able to pretty much use that house sort of as a getaway kind of writer's residency, I think, that they envisioned it. How has that affected your production um, in terms of what you're working on? I, I think a lot of it just has to do with not not being with family. And, you know, that's that's not a good thing, but it's also not been a bad thing for my productivity because when I when I come home at the end of the day normally, uh, I don't do any other work. I might poke around on something. I might mess around on Facebook and Twitter for a while. And then when everybody goes to bed, I'll do a little bit more writing until about 1 o'clock. But here, I've been able to to put in more time working and writing. And so instead of sitting down and watching TV with the family or you know spending an hour having dinner with the family, I've been able to be at the computer take a quick break to watch, uh, you know, watch a Big Bang Theory that I recorded and go back to work. And so it's, it's really been that distraction-free environment that I was hoping it would be. Mm. Did you have any project goals for yourself when you started the residency? Uh, well, I've got a, a novel I've been working on. I was hoping to have the first draft finished by the end of the first month, but that didn't happen. And so... Um, so now the goal is just to have it finished by the end of the residency, which I'm I'm fairly confident I can make that happen. I'm about mm-hmm. halfway through now, but uh, I've got a good direction and, and uh, know where the story needs to go. Now it's just a matter of filling in all the empty spaces on the outline. Mm. And so when you're working on that novel during the day, are you just kind of picking up where you left off the next day or is your writing process with that more of uh, editing as you go along? I'm doing both. I'll, I'll work on a uh, section one night and then the next night get back to it and I'll, I'll read through it and edit it and then start writing again more just to pick up the story and, and get back into the mindset of where I was the night before. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at the Kerouac Project website. There's a picture here on their main page of a room. It's like a blue room with a typewriter 
Is that like the main bedroom where Kerouac stayed? Is that where you sleep at? The one with the typewriter and the, and the small bed, that's uh, Jack's bedroom. Uh, that's in the back of the house. And uh, I haven't slept there yet. That's where my son is actually sleeping right now. We uh, we had a late night oh. last night. And um, uh, Jack's mom's room was up front, right off the living room. And that's where I've been sleeping. It's got a double bed. Wow. Um, is that ty- is that typewriter work? Is that was that his typewriter? Is that like a I'd have I'm gonna have to get with these people to find out. Is that a recreation? It's a it's a Hermes three thousand. Uh, it's like one he would have used, but I don't believe it's an original one. It almost works. It just needs a new ribbon. Mm. And so I'm sure they have Wi-Fi and everything um, in there for you to. Uh, is there a computer there? You bring your own laptop. Brought my own. Um, and they do have Wi-Fi. They have cable. The last two riders uh, wanted to be real serious and responsible, so they put the TV in a closet, and the first thing I did when I got here was dig it out uh, just because, you know, it's baseball season. I like to have baseball on. Uh, it's kind of a background noise, um, but also Big Bang Theory. I'm a huge fan of Big Bang Theory, so I uh, uh, want to be able to watch that. Mm-hmm. So it what are you not doing? Got I was going to say, it helps that they've got Big Bang Theory on reruns for like three hours per night now, either. Yeah. That's been a real distraction. (laughs) I should put the TV away again. Put the TV back in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing um, with the local art scene down there? I want to say I remember you said that they had requirements for you to kind of like do something in the community. Am I... The the only requirement I have is uh, my reading at the end of this month. It's actually already been scheduled. Uh, It's uh, the 21st, and so we'll just invite people in. I'll do a farewell reading of stuff I've been working on. Um, But as far as community involvement, I've I've had some some excellent opportunities to just get involved. Uh, I did a reading at an art gallery where they do monthly literary readings. Uh, I was interviewed at the uh, University of Central Florida student TV station. Um, They have a a late-night show that ran at 7 p.m., and uh, I was interviewed on that. And I've been sort of the guest reader, guest lecturer at a few different events just by virtue of being here. And so it's uh, my bonus that, that none of the other writers have gotten to experience is I live here now. I can go back to these places. And they've got some excellent... Mm literary groups and events, monthly events uh, going on throughout the city that the Kerouac House actually contributed to. Uh, based on what others have told me, you know, the, the literary community here was somewhat fragmented. It was more groups of writers who, who, not even groups of writers, just individual writers who were aware of each other and would get together on occasion, but they would all come to the Kerouac readings. And then a couple people said, well, I could do that. And so they would get in touch with a bar or a coffee shop and they would host their own reading, which more people would come to and more people would think, well, I could do that. And so there are, in one month, there are at least 8 to 10 to 12 different readings, storytelling events, writing groups, uh, critique sessions, um, you name it. There's something going on almost every weeknight. And so I... I've had the challenge of trying to keep up with these and find the ones that really suit me 
and ones that I would like to go back to again and again. And I've, I've found a couple that, uh, that I love going to and I've gone to ever since we moved here. And then there are a couple new ones that I'm trying out this week. I'm taking my son to one event tonight at, uh, uh, at a restaurant. I, I do, I, I wouldn't, you know, we're friends on Facebook, and I always see you posting all these cool events and pictures and stuff down there. I'm like, wow, <laughs> it looks like so much fun, and I want to be there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been great. Uh, coming from Indianapolis, we had sort of what Orlando had 10, 15 years ago, that fragmented community, a couple people putting events together. But here, it's a nice, big almost cohesive group of writers. You know, we all know each other. And uh-huh. that's been uh, a nice welcome change from Indianapolis. As much as I love Indianapolis, this has been a great welcome change from the city. Mm-hmm. Do you have any interactions with the board of directors or administrative staff of the Kerouac Project um, after you, you know, took up residency? Not as much as I had thought, but uh, I see them around. They're all working writers as well, um, either professionally or as a sideline. Um, one member is a commercial fiction writer, and, and he and his wife are constantly writing book after book. Uh, another one is a creative writing instructor at Full Sail University here in Orlando. Uh, and I see them at different events all over the place just because they're involved in the literary community as well. But but there's never been any, you know, check-ins or meetings that I have to have with them each month or each week or anything like that. Hmm. And so I guess one of my final questions for you, first, before I ask you that, uh, tell us again for people who might be listening in the Orlando area, um, when is your final reading and where is that? Do you have that information? If not, I can put it on um, in your show page. Sure. Uh, it's Saturday, May 21st. And the reading is at 7 p.m. We will have uh, light refreshments, but it's also a BYOB. So um, we'll start at about 7. People will fill up. I'm hoping that we really fill the room. I've been here at two other readings, and it gets pretty packed. But my goal is that they have to remove chairs just so people can stand and make it a standing room only event. And uh, then I'll be – I'm actually sitting at the dining table – for my desk, looking at the spot where I will be standing in three and a half weeks, reading my work. Mm, wow! That so so reading is actually going to be held right there in the Kerouac House. Yeah, it's great. So People my, get to look around and tour it, and they kind of pick up their own Kerouac vibe. And and uh, you get a lot of students from uh, University of Central Florida and uh, and uh, Valencia College's creative writing programs, and they come in. Uh, you know, hoping to get a little vibe from Jack. What are you going to miss about the Kirak House? I think just the importance of what I felt like I was doing here. Um, when I was selected, I was, you know, one of a few hundred people who had applied. And when I first got selected, I was I was actually a little shocked because, you know, everybody else who came before me and who will come after me, they're serious writers who write about serious topics and serious literary journals and you know I make fart jokes on the internet and so I was surprised to be selected and and, you know to be clear I did not submit fart jokes as part of my writing portfolio but I realized what I was doing was they thought was good enough and Mm. so I've I've taken that very seriously that that I and I may joke about it with them but I do take 
their faith in me seriously. And so it's, it's sort of inspired me and moved me to do better work while I've been here. And I know there's no place that magically does that for me. I can make myself do better work sitting in a Starbucks. But it's, this is sort of proof that somebody thought I was good enough. And oh. I, I sit here sometimes, just, you know, computers closed, TVs off, and I just sit here. And I think about the fact that they, they took my work seriously enough to put me in here. I will miss mm. that. Mm. Well, I, 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 I don't even know how to follow that. I mean, I think that that speaks <laughs> so much of the, the struggle of, of writers, um, you know, constant uh, self-doubt. And um, that is, is such a, a wonderful sentiment. I think it might answer one of my last questions for you. The last question was, uh, how do you think this has made you a better writer? It's one of the things that I, I still struggle with, and a lot of writers do, and you, you mentioned this, uh, is imposter syndrome. They're going to find me out. They're going to, you know, they're going to realize I'm not the guy. And I still have that. But it it has made me realize that if I really am an imposter, I need to up my game so they don't find me out. It's sort of, you know, that kind of thinking. And just that, that idea of upping my game, doing a better job so I don't get found out, uh, that has really made me better at my craft. Well, congratulations again on come, almost completing your spring residency there. I wish I was down in Orlando so I could be there at the house on May 21st to you give your reading um but i know it's going to be wonderful and i'm glad that we got to cross paths just you know as you were embarking um on this new journey and you're welcome back here on behind the pros anytime uh to tell us what's going on in your world of humor writing we do have a spare room and it's over the weekend if you can make it Uh oh (laughs) don't tempt me (laughs) i'll start driving now So I've got here a special treat for you today. Um, Behind the Pros is now going uh, behind the writer's residency. I have with me Jeff Benj, who is on the board of directors at the Kerouac Project, as well as he's also the chairman of the selection committee. And thank you for, for joining me today, Jeff. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. And you've been involved with the Kerouac Project for about 12 years now. You've been on the board for two and a half years, and um, your wife is actually secretary of the board. So um, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of the Kerouac Project? Sure. Yeah, the Kerouac Project, um, our real mission is is really twofold. Is One th- is to um, restore and maintain the house uh, in which Jack Kerouac lived here in College Park, which is a suburb of Orlando, um, and where he was living when On the Road was um, released and he became famous, and it's also where he wrote Dharma Bums. And so we use the house, um, we own the house, it's uh, on the historical register, and out of the house then we uh, run a writer-in-residency program where we bring in... um, four residents a year for a three-month period and put them up in the house and give them a uh, stipend for food and everything else is, you know, utilities and everything's all taken care for them. So we bring them here to write on to sort of 
invest in in new writers. Most is basically what we're we're trying to do. Mm. And you're in the Orlando area. Are there um, are there any other? This seems like it's a unique opportunity. Um, b- besides the fact that it's the Kerouac House, um, are, are there a lot of writers' residencies in the area like this? Um, no, no, not a lot. We're probably um, the most known one in uh, Orlando, um, and we've been uh, taking residents. The first resident came uh, in 2000, and so we, Eric Deckers, who you've already interviewed, is our actually our um what is he yes our thirtieth um no sixtieth sorry resident to come and stay at the house mm. and uh yeah, and so yeah it's the house was the Carrack project started in nineteen ninety seven when the house was purchased um and then it was some renovations and stuff were done it was in pretty bad shape back then. And so then we started, yeah, the residency, as I say, in 2000, and we've been keeping busy at it ever since. About how many applications do you get a year for the residencies? Uh, it keeps growing and growing. Uh, this year we had three over 300, and they wow. and one of the surprises uh, to us is the number of people uh, from over applying from overseas. So this year. We had um, people apply for, well, 31 countries, including the U.S., so so 30 other countries outside the U.S. We had um, applications for, and honestly, I don't know some of the countries, I'm not even sure how they they heard about us, but we've had people Mm. from China and Croatia and Armenia and Nigeria and goodness knows uh, from all over. So, yeah, so the... The residency over the year, years has grown, and um, every year we get uh, an, another record uh, count of applications. So we're really happy with where it's at and, and how it's uh, progressing, and um, we're really excited about the the quality of the people who apply to become residents at the Kerouac Project. It's and it's really wonderful to see. Can you tell us a little bit about the selection process? Yeah, we uh, we choose uh, the four residents at once. So we our selection we we open su- submissions uh, on the first of January, and they're open for ten weeks. They close in mid March, and then we are about to uh, next week choose the next four residents. And we choose residents for our. Uh, uh, the, the resident we will choose next week will be to arrive here in the uh, fall of this year, and then the, so we have we have a fall, winter, autumn, uh, sorry, spring and um, summer oh. residencies. So yeah, they come in. So we have a group of <clears throat> both uh, writers um, and professors, teach, you know, literary uh, teachers, etc. Come, they form a, we form an ad hoc committee of which I'm the chairman, and we sit to and read and assess the the work that comes in. And um, so we're just over say finishing that pro, uh, program right now, uh, and we'll be, next week be choosing the next four residents. Mm. What drew the committee um, to Eric Decker's work? 
Eric was, um, I think what really drew us to Eric's work was uh, the great sense of story that he had managed to get going just in the, he submitted the first chapter of a, a book he's working on, a work of fiction. And we were all very impressed with the way that he managed to get uh, the story up and going um, and pull the readers into the into the story from the get go, and so that really um, somehow resonated with the with the committee, um, and we decided like that we would uh, yeah like to give uh, Eric the opportunity to be a resident at the house and to finish off his work. In do you um, and not necessarily you specifically, but I guess you as the board or the administrators, do you have like lots of contact with the writer once they're in there for those um, for that time or? Excuse me. Yeah, yes, we do. Because um, part of what we like to do, it's a, it's it's kind of we bring the residents in, but then we it, we it's kind of a two way uh, street. We like we. I don't know whether you know much about Orlando, but Orlando has a very vibrant um, and engaged literary community. There are lots of readings and lots of various literary functions going in on around town at any any time. So they come, become involved in reading in various – we have several uh, reading programs that we link them up with, and they read at those. When they arrive, we have a um, potluck dinner for them to meet the members of you know the community will come up and meet and then at the end of their residency they uh will give a final reading at the house um to which i don't know we usually have about anywhere from 30 to 60 people show up for the reading and so the Kerouac project is well known in the literary circle in um orlando and so we have a lot of really good support here of the 60 writers now, Eric Deckers is the 60th. Of the 60 that you all have funded and housed in the Jack Kerouac house, which is just an amazing thing to even think about um, or say, uh, do you have still have a relationship with them at all? Do they, you know, check in with you? Yeah, some more than others. Um we but we keep in the loop with with a lot of the uh the writers that come and you know see uh keep on and how they're progressing a number of them have produced you know produced books and some of which they were working on here and so yeah we do and often they'll come back and visit and before they are passing through orlando and so um yeah so we do have uh links back with with them and uh I was just, uh, you know, I'm originally from New Zealand. You might be wondering my accent's from. So uh, last year uh, we had a gentleman who was actually from New Zealand. So I got to sit down and hang out with him when I was visiting my parents down there. And so, yeah, so we're, we're a far-flung um, group and we, we try and stay in the loop with as, as many as we can. So what do you look for the writers to accomplish while they're there? Do they have to produce a like product for you by the end or? No, we have, uh, we're pretty um, flexible. We, what we, we see ourselves doing is investing in writers and we really have probably a penchant for sort of emerging and uh, up and coming writers. And so we see ourselves as 
investing in the, in um, that person. We don't require them to have produced anything. We want them to, when they apply, send us a writing sample and outline for us what it is they would like to be working on while they're here. But at the end, we're not checking up. To, you know, show us your work. We we realize that you know it's a, it's a growing experience, and some people accomplish more. They may have hoped others not quite, but it's, uh, you know, for us, we just see it as a in terms of an investment of time and, and place and, a, you know, space for for emerging writers to come and really, you know, get to it. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give for writers who are out there listening who have not applied and now are intrigued and want to spend some time writing in the Jack Kerouac house? <laughs> Well, you would uh, apply and you'll find all the information you need um, at our uh, website, which is org, and all the information about how the process, and there's a lot of uh, FAQs on things about the residency, what you need to know. When you apply, my advice would be give us your best work. We judge most, you know, we're, we're looking for really good writers that's who we want to invest in so give us your best work and give us your best work on the the first page give us uh your best first paragraph the best first sentence you can possibly come up with and to draw our readers in um that's what we're really looking for um or that's what's going to help you in the system so many people one of the things you do notice over having done you know the selection committee for so many years is that often people start, writers will start a little way down the track and sort of they, they really get going by page two or three and, you know, it's like, no, give us oh. give us your best best shot right up front. Uh, don't sort of, and you know, put your best story, make it front and center, don't make it the middle story, which lots of people kind of like to bookend it with two okay stories and then there's this great one, but put it all out there on the first page. Mm. Thank you for that advice. Um, I definitely we will have the link to the Kerouac project on the show page here. And um, I wish I could be in Orlando for Eric Decker's final reading, which is coming up next week, correct? Yes, on uh, Saturday the 21st, Eric will be reading, and uh, he's been a great resident. We've had a, a wonderful time with him. And, you know, when he was, uh, when we selected Eric, he was living in Indiana, he has actually since moved to the Orlando area, so we've had been doubly blessed to get to know his family and his wonderful children, and so it's been a uh, a really a great time. Yeah, Eric has been wonderful, and he I saw him last night. He was telling me he's been busy. He's got quite a ways through the manuscript he's working on, and uh, looking forward to get getting quite a bit further in the last uh, couple of weeks he has with the, at the residency. Well, thank you for talking with me, and thank you for the work that you're doing at the Kerouac Project, and thank the Kerouac Project for being such a, an amazing resource for for writers. Um, the 60 that you've uh, funded and housed so far, and the I'm sure 600 more to come in the future. <laughs> yes, indeed. Lucky 
Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.